Do you know who Christ is? Do you know what he did? Do you know why he did it? Do you know why he needed to do what he did? Do you know what that means? Do you know what it means for the world? Do you know what it means for those that would believe? Do you know what it means for those that do not believe? Do you know where you stand right now? Do you know why you stand there in that position? Do you know what's ahead? Do you know what's ahead for the world? Do you know what's ahead for believers? Do you know what is ahead for you? Do you know your purpose? Do you know what you're to do next, what God has next for you to do? There are so many questions, so many deep questions, so many important questions. And here's the thing this morning as we start. The truth matters. The truth matters. The truth matters for all of these questions. If we're going to come to an answer for these questions, we need to know the truth matters. The truth matters for the world. The truth matters for you. Folks, we live in a day when there is an all-out, multi-fronted attack on the truth. That's the day that we are living in. Today, there are some that would say there is no truth, and that's what they profess. That's what they hold to. There is no truth. There are others, and they would say, well, the truth is not knowable. You just can't be sure of it. You can't really know the truth. There are others, and they would say that truth is relative that there could be different versions of the truth. And they would say, there is my truth, and there is their truth, and there is somebody else's truth. And they would say, all of those can be equally true. There are some, and they would try to distort the truth, try to change the truth. There are some, and they would try to adapt the truth. There are some, and I will tell you many, that try to discredit and to disparage the truth. Well, the reality is this morning, listen to me very carefully, there is truth, and truth is knowable, and truth is needed, and the truth matters. The truth matters. Life without the truth is like an invention without a blueprint. It's like a body that is formless without a skeleton. It's like a building that doesn't have framework. Nothing can stand. Nothing will stand. And ultimately, there is no purpose. There is no meaning outside of the truth. Listen to me this morning. The truth matters. The truth matters. Well, here's the good news this morning. To a world that needs the truth, to a world that desperately needs the truth, Jesus says, I am the truth. Today in our study, Peter launches off and he really pulls the pin on a grenade of truth. As I came to these verses, the verses that we're going to look at today, the next couple of verses after it, that's all I can think about. It's like a, a grenade of truth. Really, our verses this morning are a truth bomb. So deep, so profound, so many answers, so much truth to look at in just these verses. To a people who were hurting, to a people who were wondering, what a blessing it must have been to hear, there is truth. I want to tell you this morning today, the same stands. For a people hurting and wondering, what a blessing God's truth is 
for us. And so today we come and we're going to look at this truth, God's truth. Our message today is entitled, A Story of Stones. A Story of Stones. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. I was going to try and go further than that. This is all I could get done today. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. A story of stones. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we come today, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that we have hope today. We're thankful that whatever the circumstances of life are, that we have joy in Christ today. We're thankful that we have your grace. We have the forgiveness of our sin. We have a, a restoration in Christ, a renewal. And then, Lord, we come, and, and as we begin to look into your word, we're thankful that we have your word and that you lead us through it, that you teach us that it's actually your speech. And so, Lord, I pray at this time that you would speak. And I pray, Lord, in the midst of these 30 days that it would be a tremendous thing to hear your voice, that we would be greatly impacted. It wouldn't be the voice of a, of a church, the voice of a denomination, the voice of a man, but we would hear the word of God today. Lord, I pray that it would bear fruit. I pray for some that do not know you, that this very day they might turn and trust you. I pray for those of us that do know you that we will be encouraged and strengthened in our walk with you. And Lord, I pray the fruit of all this will be for your name's sake, for your glory. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. All right, here we go this morning. Remember the content, the context this morning. The recipients of the letter are in tough days. That's how we start this out. Uh, the recipients are in tough days. Now, we know uh, from history that even tougher days are to come. And so they're in tough times. They are suffering. And now there are going to be tougher times that are coming. Well, Peter writes to them to stir them up. And that's what he tells us. He writes to them to stir them up. He writes to call them and to encourage them to stand, and that's what these letters are, a call and an encouragement to stand. Now, that's going to be vitally important. It's going to be important for them. It's going to be important for the lost world. This is an encouragement to stand. He clearly says the way that he will do this is by way of reminder. The way he's going to stir them up, the way he's going to encourage them to stand is by way 
of reminder. And then we see, we have seen, the reminder is the truth. The reminder is the truth. It is the word of God. They have a framework because of the truth. They have a hope because of the truth. They have encouragement because of the truth. Well, we get to our section today. Here we are in the second chapter. And in our verses, it's like Peter says, you need the truth? Well, here's the truth. He's going to tell us in these short verses the truth of Jesus. He's going to tell them and us the truth of what he has done. He's going to tell them and us what it is to follow the truth. And, and really, it's just a bomb of truth that goes off. So much profound information in just these short verses. You need the truth? Here's the truth. All right, let's go to our verses starting in verse 4. Verse 4 says this, And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Let me read that again. And coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. He says, believers coming to Jesus as to a living stone. Now listen, that is a big deal. We come to Jesus as to a stone. This is what God says. Now I want us to see the picture here. We come to Jesus as to a stone. Now what in the world does that mean? It means this. A stone, we come to Jesus as a stone. A stone is solid. A stone is dependable. A stone is foundational. We come to Jesus as a stone. We're going to see in a moment that he is the chief cornerstone, meaning that everything builds off of the stone of Jesus. Do you see the picture that's being painted here? He is as a stone, the chief cornerstone. Everything builds off of Jesus. Now, I want you to be sure this morning, be reminded this morning, as believers, we are Jesus-centric. As believers, we are Jesus-centric. Everything is centered on, focused on, and thus everything is built on the truth of Jesus. If you want to know what it is to follow Jesus, we go to the person of Jesus. If you want to know how that's lived out, how that's expressed, we go back and we focus on Jesus. We are Jesus-centric as followers of Jesus Christ. Now listen, we only have one hope. We do not have two hopes. There's not another hope. There's not going to be some coming hope. We only have one hope. We only have one foundation. We only have one anchor. We only have one king. We only have one Savior, and all of those, all of it is in the person of Jesus. We are Jesus-centric. Peter says we come to him as a stone. Now, the picture's building, but not just any stone. Now, see the gospel as it starts to be told through this illustration. But not to just any stone. We come to Jesus as a stone but we come to him as a living stone. Jesus is the living stone. 
Now, I remember a couple nights ago, if you were here, we saw that we have a living hope. Well, now we see that we come to a living stone. Now, the question is why? It's because of this. We have a living Savior. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a living Savior. Let that sink in this morning. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He is the defeater of death. He is the victor over the grave. He paid for sin, and to prove it, he is resurrected in the power of God. He is alive. Jesus is alive. We follow a risen Savior. And so we see that believers come to Jesus as to a living stone. However, the verse tells us the sad reality is He was then, and we know that he is now rejected by men. There's there's people that they reject the truth of Jesus Christ, and they're not going to receive it on faith. They're not going to put their trust in that, and that was the truth then. He was rejected by men. We know the Jews, the people that he came out of, he comes to them, and many of them missed him. The high priest, the scribes, the ones that had written all the prophecies that should have known about him, they missed him. The Bible says, and he came into his own, and his own received him not. So he comes, and people, men, reject him. But the verse goes on, he, Jesus, is choice and precious in the sight of God. Now, the word choice means select, select. Remember a couple nights back, uh, he is known as the Savior before even the foundation of the world. He is choice. Now it goes further, it says he is also precious. He is a precious stone. That word precious means treasured. It means of utmost value, of highest value. Jesus is precious in the view, in the sight of the Father. I can hear the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now listen, just that already, what a Savior we have. What a hope we have. Jesus is the stone that we build upon. Jesus is alive, having paid for sin. He is the living stone. Because of that, he is of supreme value, of utmost value. What a needed truth that is. They're living in hard times. They're wondering how they're going to make it. They're wondering why their suffering is so great. And then they understand we have a Savior and he's of utmost value because he lives today and we build on him. His name is Jesus. What a needed truth. What a needed truth. Verse 5. You also, as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that again, verse 5. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter goes on, those who have come to Jesus, those who have come to the living stone, he says this, you also are living stones. You do that as living stones. 
listen to me this morning. Believers are also living stones. Now, I don't know I've ever been called that. I've been called a dirt clod before. But believers are living stones. Now, this is awesome. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we are living stones. This is telling us, telling you of your purpose. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the living stone, and we build upon him. Believers also are living stones. Now, let me show you that. Let me show you two things what that means. First thing, stones. What do you do with stones? In the context, it's talking about chiseled out stones, these giant stones. Here's what you do with stones. You build with them. Well, God is building something with these living stones. That's what he's telling us here. God is building something through these who have come to Jesus Christ. Listen to me today. If you have trusted Jesus Christ, God is building something with you. Now, these people in their suffering could have said, what's the point? You ever say that? What's the point to all this? What's the need? They could have asked why. I don't understand why. But the point is this. God is building something in them. First thing, believers are stones. Second thing we see, they are also living stones. Now, hear me this morning. In Christ, we are made alive. In Christ, we live. We have, in the power of Jesus, spiritual life. And it does not end. It will not end. We cannot lose that spiritual life. And so you come along today and say, life is hard. Yes, it is. You say, I don't understand these things that are going on. Yes, that may be true. But nevertheless, in the power of Jesus, we are alive in Jesus. I like what Billy Graham said. He said it some years ago. He was being interviewed, and he said this. This is his quote. Someday you will hear that I am dead. Don't you believe it? That's what he said. Don't you believe it? We are alive in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, whatever the circumstances of life are, we are alive in Jesus Christ. We also are living stones. So what's the purpose for that? What's the plan? What is God building with us as living stones? Peter goes on and he says, are being built up. We also as living stones, we are being built up as a spiritual house. Now I'm going to walk you through this. This is very deep. There's a lot of stuff here. We're going to try to catch as much as we can. We are being built up as living stones, as a spiritual house. The spiritual house is referring to the temple. See this. We, by faith in Jesus Christ, are temples of the living God. Do you know that? God dwells in us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are temples of the living God. Paul says exactly those words at least two other places. We are temples of the living God. God resides in us. God lives in us. God no longer lives in a temple chiseled out of stone, but he lives in temples of living stones. As believers, we are temples of God. Now, I want to tell you, we, we can't really get the, the, the depth of that. 
That is awesome. We need to be mindful of that. (laughs) The Spirit of God lives, dwells in us. We are temples of the living God. That is the truth. Goes on and it says, for a holy priesthood, for a holy priesthood. In the Old Testament priesthood, the priest made intercession to God for the people. That was what he did. That was what he was charged with doing. He made intercession to God for the people. He sacrificed to God on behalf of the people. He spoke to God for the people. Well, believers are serving a holy priesthood. That's what he says. He goes on and says, to offer up to God, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, there's several parts of this. Remember, it's a truth bomb. There's too much here for me to explain in two hours. Let me me do the best I can. Let me try to give what I can. The first thing is this. We need to be reminded from just these verses, we do not need a priest. We are not dependent on a priest. Why? It says here, through Jesus Christ. Listen, he is our priest. He is our go-between. He is our mediator. And so we are carrying out the role of a holy priesthood through Jesus Christ. Acceptable, made acceptable because of Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you some of the things that means. It means this. I confess my sins not to a priest, not somewhere in a box. I confess my sins to God through Jesus I pray, I talk to God through Jesus. When I desire to commune with God, I don't have to go through a person. I don't have to go through a church. I go through Jesus. It says to offer up spiritual sacrifices. All right, listen up here. This is pretty awesome. What are spiritual sacrifices? It's not lambs. Not the Old Testament sacrificial system. It's not grain offerings. It's not animals. The Bible says our spiritual sacrifices, and these are just some of them, our our spiritual sacrifices are our praises. That's what the Bible says, our praises, our thankfulness, our thanksgiving. Our thankfulness is, is a spiritual sacrifice. Our giving honor to God, exalting God, the act of worship, that is a, a sacrifice to God. Our acts of service, given in the service in the name of the Lord, that is a, that is a sacrifice given to God. The book of Romans really takes it as big as it, as it can be taken. It says our entire lives are sacrifices given wholly to God. And so to see the picture here, We have a purpose. Did you hear what I said? Listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have a job. We have a purpose. And we are in the position of bringing to God the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Listen to me. I'm talking to you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You have the job of bringing to God the sacrifice of thanksgiving. You have the job of bringing to God the sacrifice of praise. Our lost world is not going to praise God. You're to bring praises to God. You have the job of bringing the sacrifice of honor and worship, exalting God. 
You have the job of bringing to God the sacrifice of service, serving his cause, serving his name. Romans chapter 12 says, we give our lives as a living and holy sacrifice to God. Be very clear, your life, the entirety of your life is to be a sacrifice to God, given in faith, given in worship, producing praise to the living God. Did you hear all of that? Well, I didn't think I had a purpose. I've had folks say that. I, I, I'm glad I see their purpose. I didn't think I had a purpose. I thought I was too young for a purpose. I thought I was too old for a purpose. I had gone past my purpose. Well, I didn't think it matters how I live. I didn't think it matters what I did. Well, I didn't think I had anything to do today. I think a bunch of folks woke up and said, I don't have anything to do today. Wrong. Listen to me. We have a God to thank. We have a king to exalt. We have a savior to serve. And I want to tell you, if we start early and go to late, we can't get it all done. He is worthy of it all. We're to sing his praises. We're to serve his cause. We're to give ourselves wholly to him. And that's what you have to do today. We bring the sacrifices to our God. Then Peter quotes Isaiah in the Old Testament, verse 6. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, about 750 years before this is written, this, this, this is written. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Those who believe will not be disappointed. That's what it says. Well, things are hard right now. Things are disappointing in my life right now. Listen, at any time, for any reason, those who believe will not be let down. They will not be disappointed. I want to tell you this. You can trust that right now. You can trust that right now. Those that have trusted Jesus Christ, you will not on any day, in any moment, in any circumstance ever be let down by our Savior, Jesus. You can trust that. What a great truth that is. What a great hope that is. People fail us. People turn against us. People kick us when we're down. Things we thought would last, they don't last. But I want to tell you what a great truth it is. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, brother or sister, you shall not be disappointed. Goes on. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, another Old Testament quote, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. Verse 8. And at the same time, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. Let me explain this. Those who believe are not disappointed. But for those who do not believe, they are appointed for doom. This is what God's word says. For those who do not believe, in Jesus Christ, they are appointed for doom. Now, that does not mean that God picks 
and appoints certain people for doom. That's not how that works. That's not the gospel. That's not our God. It means he offers salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you turn to Jesus, you are saved. You have all the promises that he has talked about. You will not be let down. You will not be disappointed. But to those who miss Jesus, doom is their appointed end. Bible's very clear in that. No one wants to talk about that. It's not popular to preach that. Listen, we got to say that. That is the truth of Scripture. For those who reject Jesus, those who miss Jesus, their appointed end, the Bible is clear, is doomed. Now, the reason they are doomed is because they've denied the Word of God. God's Word says, I'll send a Savior, I'll send a Messiah. By faith in Him, we are saved. Your faith will be reckoned as righteousness. The reason they are doomed is because they have denied the Word of God. The reason they are doomed is because they don't receive the truth, but they stumble over it. That's the picture. They have the truth. It's not for an absence of the truth, but they stumble over the truth. They fall over it. They're even offended by the truth. Here's the point. Listen to this this morning. Here's the point. Jesus is the dividing line. Jesus is the dividing line. You are either saved or doomed by what you do with Jesus. Now, you better hear that again. We better say that again. You are either saved or doomed by what you do with Jesus. And I want you to be sure and understand what I'm saying here. This is why we are Jesus-centric. This is why we fight and we work and we strive to present and to uphold the truth of Jesus. Listen to me. This is why the truth matters. The world says it doesn't matter. Listen, it absolutely matters. Friends, it is because Jesus is the issue. Jesus is the subject in question. Jesus is the dividing line. And listen to me. If you miss Jesus, oh, listen to me. You miss everything. You may pull off all the great things of this world, but if you miss Jesus, all is lost. Hope is gone. You are doomed. Oh, but if you receive him, if you hear his gospel, if you hear that he is loving and that he is gracious, that he in his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection has paid the price for sin, has paid the price for your sin, if you hear that he has made a way for you, and if you receive him, trusting him for your redemption, listen to me this morning. You doomed in sin, and rightly so. You shamed in guilt. You hopeless in your plight. You lost and perishing. Here's what's happening when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You are picked up in the Savior's love. You are cleaned up and you are restored in the Savior's righteousness. He gives you his own righteousness. We didn't, we broke ours. We muddied ours. We stained ours. And so he gives us his own righteousness. You are graciously forgiven in the Savior's work. Your sin no longer marks you. You are forever saved in the Savior's power. It wasn't anything you did. It was in his power. 
You are kindly restored to the Savior's fellowship. Friend is what he calls us. That's what Jesus says. I no longer call you something else. I call you friend. You are eternally held in the Savior's promise. Listen, that's how I can tell you the best is yet to come. Whoever you are, if you'll trust Jesus, the best is yet to come. And you are saved. Isaiah, all those hundreds of years earlier, said it best. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Here's the question this morning. So what have you done with Jesus? So what have you done with Jesus? I want to tell you the good news of our Savior is this. He loves you, and he sees you, and he knows you, and he wants you. And he sees the terrible plight we have because of sin. He sees we're condemned, justly condemned in our sin. We've earned a punishment death. He loves us so much, he sends his only begotten son. That's what this whole thing's about. Jesus, the center of it all. Jesus comes. He comes as a remedy for sinners. He comes as the Lamb of God. He comes, he never sins. Because he never sins, he's able to offer himself in our stead, in our place. That's what he does. He goes to the cross of Calvary, and there he takes the punishment for sin. That was my punishment, that was your punishment. He takes it, it is poured out upon him. He takes it, never having sinned. But in great love for us, he takes the punishment for sin. He dies, my death, your death. Bible says he's beaten beyond recognition. You couldn't tell who he was. Has a crown of thorns pushed into his head. He dies, paying the penalty for sin. They take him off of that cross. He is actually literally dead. They put him in a grave. And I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. Three days later, you know what he does? He walks out of that grave, and he stands as the risen lamb. He stands as the hope of sinners. He stands as the remedy for those who had stained themselves in sin. The Bible says if we'll put our faith in him, if we'll cry out, Lord, save me, Lord, forgive me, turning from our sin and turning to him, the truth is this, he will save you. Nothing more to do, no work you have to go do, no church you have to join, no checklist you have to march through. If you'll turn to Jesus, receiving him in faith, I believe, I trust, as the remedy for your sin, you will be saved. Here's what the Bible says. Any person doing that will never be disappointed. What have you done with Jesus? If you've never trusted him, turn to him today. He'll save you today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you. We're thankful that you don't write us off. You don't, you don't tell us we've gone too far, that our distance is too great. You, you don't come and prejudice and say you didn't want us, but you love us, and you love us so much that you make a way of redemption through Jesus. And so, Lord, I come and I praise you for that. I worship you for that. I come and I bring the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. Lord Jesus, we exalt you. But I also know there's some that do not know you. I pray that this very day, in the hearing of this good news, they would say, I've had enough of the other. Had enough of bitter disappointment. Had enough of regret. Had enough of myself. Had enough of my sin. And I turn to Jesus as my hope. 
Lord, I pray that hearing that today, they respond. I pray that any hindrance would be removed. And I pray, Lord, that salvation would ring out for your namesake, for your glory. Lord, I pray for us as believers that we would leave here encouraged, emboldened, and ready to tell a world about the hope we have in Jesus. Empower us for that. Lord, I'm thankful for your truth. It truly does matter. We love you for it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service today with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, it is the most important thing we do here today is, is respond to the preached word of God. And I want to tell you there's a couple of responses. First off, if you know Christ, if you love Christ, if you have a relationship with Christ, then walk in him. Walk in a way that points to him. Use your mouth to tell others of him. And maybe that's the point of this day is to stir us up to walk in Christ. Thankful for our Savior. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to tell you he loves you. If you'll trust him today, he'll save you. Your response today in, in, all, in all wisdom is this, turn to him. Turn to him. Trust him, he'll save you today. Maybe that's your response. Maybe your response is to say, you know what, I've trusted Christ, but I've never followed in believer's baptism. It's not part of your salvation. It's a, it's, a, it's a testimony to it. And so maybe you need to come and say, I've trusted Christ, but I've never been baptized to show folks what I believe of Jesus. And you come, we'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Maybe the, today you're just saying, you know what, I'm just struggling. And maybe I don't know what the issue is, and maybe, maybe you do, and you'd say, you know what, I'm just struggling. I want to tell you, the Bible says nothing is too big, nothing is too small. God cares, and our answer is in Him. And so maybe this morning you want to pray where you're at. Maybe you want to pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Bring your cares to Him. I want to tell you, He's faithful. You will not be disappointed. I'm going to ask that no one stir about, no one would go for an exit or, uh, or cause a distraction. This is, again, the most important thing we're going to do. I'm going to ask that you would pray for those who are making decisions. If God is speaking to you, has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here at the front. As we stand and sing, you come on. I'll meet you here.